Hey, what up? It's DK. Thank you so much for listening to the Mixing Music Podcast. I just want to do a quick plug. Did you know that I write kids' books? If you have children, nieces, nephews, I have books that are totally available for free or $10 on Amazon for physical copies. You can go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash kidsbooks to get access and learn more about that. Thank you for all of your support. Now let's get back to the show. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In this episode of the Mixing Music Podcast, we're going to talk about how much you should charge, when you should charge more, and if you should do free work. But before we get started, I wanted to make an announcement. We are going to do a competition to produce a new intro theme song. We've been playing the same intro song made out of splice loop samples that I made like three years ago. The most generic crap ever. Okay, if you've been listening to the podcast... And you know what I like. You know what Lou likes. We're both hip-hop, R&B people. But that doesn't necessarily make you make a trap beat for the intro. Nah, it's got to be global. I got rock fans that are in my audience. But let's, let's say this, okay? I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. We're going to take submissions for about a month, right? The submission link, you can submit in the link below in the description. In the description below, whether it's on YouTube or whether it's in the podcast link on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening to, it doesn't matter. The link for this episode, the link for this submission is going to be in the description of the episode. And the password to upload your zip file, give me, give me an MP3. No, no, no. I changed my mind. Give me an MP3. Give me an MP3. Okay, of the stereo wave of your beat or your instrumental, okay, and upload it, put your name on there, rename the file with your name, your email, your, the way to contact you, upload it. The password is Mixing Music Podcast. You're going to need to remember that password in order to upload it to FilePass that I have because FilePass has an uploading, like you can upload, have your clients upload stuff to FilePass. So, um, I'm going to set that up right now, and I'm going to put that link in the description below. Send me new beats. Maybe if you win, I'll give you $100. $100 for the person who wins. And I'm going to pick, no bias, I'm just going to pick my favorite one. $100 for you. Upload today. Peace. Enjoy this episode. One, two, three. Hello and welcome back to the Mixing Music Podcast. I'm your host, DK. 
And today we have an awesome episode. I'm actually by myself here in Utah. I had to go home because or uh, my my wife and kids live in Utah, and I'm just in L.A. on the weekdays. And uh, I had to go home real quick because I have some good news. My son, who has been in the, the hospital for six months since his birth, is finally able to come home. My wife is staying with him at the hospital right now, this very moment, and um, he's going to be coming back home later tonight. And I need to release an episode for tomorrow. I have a special episode where Lou interviews... Um, Chris Brown's engineer, Tizio, and uh, I'm going to release that on a later date. I think uh, I'm going to release that next week or the week after, but I wanted to get a quick update uh, on this episode really fast. This update, I wanted to talk about how much to charge, when to start charging if you're not charging anything yet, as well as when to start increasing your pricing. Now, this is a very important topic, and I know lots of people have asked me about this, so I wanted to actually answer some of these questions. Um, And I am live currently on Twitch, and I am live on YouTube, and if you are listening to the podcast, you can catch me live sometimes and maybe even ask me questions while I'm recording these episodes live in the future. Um, On Twitch and YouTube, I'm just DK Mixes. But uh, yeah, um, the main question that I get is, should I be doing work for free? Now, I think the answer is obvious. I think the answer is obvious because um, what else are you going to do with your free time? Now, if you are already doing music and you're already getting paid, that's a different story. But if you're just starting, you have, let's say, 100 hours a week, right? And if you have a full-time job, you spend 40 hours a week working. Now, what are you going to do for the rest of your 60 hours, Are you just going to sit down, twiddle your thumbs? Maybe you can work on your own music, obviously, but you got 60 hours that you could be doing something and you don't want to be just sitting there. So at the very least, I would say that if you are not filling up 100% of your time, you should be reaching out to people that you want to reach out to and want to work with and being offering free work. Because let's say you own a studio or let's say you have a brand and you, you want to start producing or mixing or whatever you want to do more. Well, the one way that you can get clients is word of mouth. In fact, that's the most important way to get clients. Now, how are you going to get word of mouth clients if there's no one to talk about you, if there's no one that's ever worked with you? That's the point of free work is to try to spread and hyper accelerate that word of mouth marketing, which we all know is the number one reason why most people book a studio or a producer or an engineer is because of word of mouth. So that's the number one thing. The reason why you want to do free work is to promote word of mouth um, as well as to kind of get through some doors. Now, even me, an experienced engineer, I still do a lot of free work. I'm not too prideful to say no to some of these projects because I know the value of the opportunities and the doors that they can open. Now, some of these doors that are being open are very much worth it and I make a lot more money in the long run and some of them, it turns out that I don't make anything. But I also don't say yes to free projects unless I know it's going to be totally worth my time or more importantly, I don't care if it was a waste of my time because I liked working with the artist or I liked doing that something. Don't be so prideful. If you have a lot of time on your hands and you're not fully booked out at every single moment, don't be so prideful to say no Um, to free work. Uh, It's okay to do free work. Now, on the opposite hand, I used to preach that no one should ever do free work and that you should charge something. 
I still believe that to this day. And I think that when I say free, I mean free in money. But I don't think that means uh, that's an equal. I think that you should still offer some sort of equal exchange. For example, I don't do anything for completely free, but I do things for free money in exchange for percentages, for points, for streaming cash or whatever they want to do, for being on the team for DistroKid or whatever it is, right? Now, that is something that's valuable to them, a percentage of ownership for their music in exchange for your time. Now, it's free. It's free, quote unquote. doesn't cost them any sort of money to do that but you are forcing them to give up something that they don't want to, so they actually will feel value in your work. So whatever that means. It doesn't have to be a percentage of the song. It could be, okay, you have to do my dishes after this. I think it's a good idea to do free work in exchange for something, but mostly to protect yourself and to make sure that they value your time, right? So because if you kept just do free work, but at the same time, this is a weird balance. This is like a yin and yang balance kind of a thing because if you do free work, with the expectation of getting something back, then there was no point of doing free work. And this is the big kicker here, is that if you're going to do free work, whenever it is, whether you're professionally seasoned engineer, producer, artist, whatever, or you're just starting out and you're just trying to get your name out there, this is the big secret. No matter who you say yes to work for, you have to give it your 100% every single time or what is the point? Because let's say you're trying to get that word of mouth out there. So you're just trying to get your name out there and you decide to do free work with an artist that you're not really, you're not really liking or you're not really proud of. And then all of a sudden you make sure that you, you can, the artist can tell that you're not enjoying your time, right? Well, now that artist is going to go tell everybody else, no matter how, how free it was, they're going to be like, yeah, they didn't. I can tell that they didn't like it or that they weren't enjoying their time. Yeah, of course it's not going to be good. Like that's bad. That's negative effects. That's why I brought up the importance of working with someone that you like because that way the more enthusiastic you seem and the more enthusiastic you are, the more that they're going to enjoy it and the more that they want to spread your name, right? Because they had a good experience. It's all about the experience. So if you're going to do free work, make sure you like working with that person. And if you don't, then you bet your booty you better start pretending and you better start get good at acting, you know, and start pretending like you like that like that song or like that artist because it is your job to do so, whether it's free or whether it's paid. And that's one of the secrets of being a great engineer. And at the same time, dare I say it, it's also kind of our jobs to make sure that you turn a song that they don't like or you don't like into something that you do like. And I would say one of the most highest paying skill set for an engineer is to be able to find things that they like in everything around them. Not every song you work on is going to be your favorite song. That's impossible. But it is our job and the best engineers are able to find things that they like about every song, find the good in every song. And I think that's not just a skill set, but I think that's a character as well. The, The most famous engineers, the most popular engineers, they're always very much... Um, they're always very much the kindest people ever. That's because, and, and they can be, you know, douchebags or whatever, because they've had a lot of crap in their life. Engineers are usually the producer's punching bag. You didn't hear that from me. And, uh, (laughs) but at the same time, I think it's, it's very important to point out that you have to have a lot of patience. That's the name of the game. If you're, if you're sitting here not making a lot of money complaining about how you're not making a lot of money, I wonder why, because you're a complainer. Nobody wants to work with the complainer. Nobody wants to work in a bottomless pit of negativity. 
Don't be that guy or girl. You do not want to be that person. It does not matter. It doesn't matter if it's about politics or whatever. Do not be a bucket full of negativity or even a droplet of negativity. Nobody wants to hire you. It was a waste of time doing free work. Okay. Now, when do you start charging? Now, this is a, this is two things. I think there's two things that kind of go into play here. When to start charging one is obviously when you have less time. So let's go back to that first scenario. You have 100 hours a week, 40 hours, you have a full-time job. So you got 40 to 60 hours a week that you want to do music outside of work hours, right? So now um, you, you do a lot of free work or a lot of really cheap work or whatever, and you're starting to get frustrated because you're just totally booked out. And people are in line and, and it's just too busy. That's a perfect time to start charging. Now, the second part of it is also a confidence thing. Now, for example, if I want to ask you right now to anybody that's listening, if you're a producer, if you're an engineer, um, who is your dream artist that, or producer that you want to work with, right? Now, think of that person. Now, if that person came to you right now and said, can you run this session for me or can you make this be for me or whatever you do, right? Can you write this song for me? Are you going to be confident enough and well-practiced enough to be confident in front of that person and perform at the best of your abilities or maybe even 10% more than you've been able to in the past? Or is your confidence level going to make you perform less? Now, I would say that for most people, it's gonna, your confidence level will go down because you're going to feel like you don't deserve to be there because you haven't put in the hours and you haven't proven it to yourself. One of the biggest things that this proved it to me yeah, uh, the, the one of the biggest things that you know this is proof for me is is when Trey Songs asked me to go over to his house and record him and and I was driving over for the first time and totally you know totally scared obviously but at the same time I felt this real calming peace calming peace of confidence knowing that no matter like I've been preparing for this moment I'm not gonna it's not gonna kill me and more importantly I'm gonna kill it like it's I'm gonna do such a good job he's gonna invite me back and guess what. I did such a good job. He invited me back for the rest of the week and he invited me back a week ago, but I had to say no because I was in Utah. <laughs> you know, that's a flex being able to say no to a celebrity. But um, for reals, I think that's, that's a big thing is are you, you well-practiced enough to be able to take on higher paying projects? So if you're asking the question, should I charge more, then maybe it's not a good time to start charging or to start charging more because you should start charging and start charging more when it's, duh, I need to because I'm frustrated. Usually this sort of frustration comes from, I'm way more confident and I'm way better than I deserve and I think I can do a better job. Now, that can come from pride, but you don't want to be doing that from pride, right? You don't want to be hurting people's feelings. But at the same time, I think that there's something beautiful and important to say about this. Are you, do you have, are you, are you limited in time and are you confident enough? So let's say you're charging $25 an hour right now for recording and you want to jump up to $35, $40, $50 an hour. Now you start getting $50 an hour clients. Are you going to be able to stand your place in that seat or are you going to feel the pressure? That is something very important to think about when considering raising your prices. Now I'm going to get a little bit technical here. Maybe some of y'all want to hear some direct numbers. Okay. Uh, this is going to be really, really hard, and I'm going to have to make some general blanket statements that do not apply to everybody. Um, but I'm going to throw around some numbers here. Now, this is especially different if you live in Arkansas versus L.A. or Hawaii 
or China, right? They're, every place you go is going to have a totally unique, different price point. So the number one thing that I would look at is your marketplace. What are people charging around you? What are they doing? How do you differentiate? How good are they? More importantly, how much do people like them? And what kind of services do they offer? Now, if, you, if they're a rock studio and you're also a rock studio, that's going to be a tough one. You got to really compete or undercut or something. Now, people say, don't play the undercutting game. I'm going to say that there's a balance. I th- I'm going to say that there's good times to play the undercutting game and there's a bad time to play the undercutting game. Now, the good thing about the undercutting game is that you might be able to find some clients solely based on the marketing around your price, the word of mouth around your price. But the problem with that is that if you undercut, then they will go into the studio knowing that you are the undercut cheaper option. And they are going to treat you like the cheaper option, which is fine. Most people don't treat anybody differently for being the cheaper option. That being said, um, it's not going to be... Sometimes they're gonna. It's definitely gonna sting a little bit, right? So you don't want to be doing that too much. Like in uh, in the mix studios in Los Angeles, we are not the cheaper option. We are on a couple of our websites with collaborating studios, and we are their most expensive option. That's the way that I want it to be. Now we struggle that with that because we don't get as many clients through the door as the cheaper option, but we make just as much money, and more importantly. Um, we have much higher paying, more higher end clientele. Our price reflects our clientele and our confidence reflects our price, right? So that kind of goes into play hand in hand. And Lou and I both are super duper busy. So that also can play off of the time thing. We are both are not super open with our time, which is why we have to charge more. Okay. Now, not just your marketplace, um, but let's say your service. So let's talk about mixing specifically because that's what I do do. That's what I do do. <laughs> do do. That's what I do, right? So mixing, I would say that first off, if you as much as you possibly can, I would not charge per hour. I would not charge per hour. I would charge per song. Okay, two reasons. One, when you are charging per hour, what is your motivation to take it slow? Okay, not to have a good mix, but to take it slow. And what is their motivation? To rush you through it. Okay, now if you charge per song, what is your motivation? To get it right the first time and to get it right fast. What is their motivation? Right, (laughs) to get a good mix. So because of that, that sounds like dual self-interest and you becoming better and trying harder and them getting the product that they want. Whether it takes 10 hours, whether it takes 20 hours, whether it takes 30 minutes, doesn't matter because it's going to be the same price. And obviously, the faster you get and the better you get over time, the more it's going to scale and the more you get paid. Dope. So like this last week, I made <laughs> I made $800 an hour because I got paid $400 for a mix that literally took me 30 minutes, maybe a little bit more. Um and this is actually super important to say because uh, <laughs> I didn't get paid for my time, right? So this is a concept. I'm sure this is well a well-beaten horse, but I want, to, I want to continue to say this again. When you pay me for my time, you're not paying me for the 30 minutes that it took to mix that song. You're paying me for the years and the tens of thousands of hours that I, that I practiced to get to the point where I can finish this song in 30 minutes. Does that make sense? 
when you go to the barber and they charge, let's say, $100 versus $30, there's going to be a big difference, but not a big difference in time. You're not paying them per hour. You're paying them for the experience. So at the end of the day, you're paying me for my experience. And yes, that song happened to take 30 minutes. Not all songs happen to take 30 minutes, but that's important. That's important to, like, that's, that's big money for me. Now, if I can do that every 30 minutes, that's dope. <laughs> but uh, no, that doesn't usually happen. Um, and if there's revisions, obviously my time per hour goes down. You know, you can calculate it down. And I know some people that, that totally calculate how much they make per hour in order to stay efficient and stay on top of all their work. Excuse me. Um, and uh, the sec- so the first thing is marketplace. Right, so marketplace. What is everybody else charging you around you? And if you're if you're trying to do online mixing, your marketplace is the entire world. Okay, so you're gonna have to charge a lot lower prices. Online mixing is I do not really recommend unless you already have a lot of local clients or a lot of real clients. Um, starting as an online mixer is going to be virtually impossible. It's kind of trying to start like an online barbershop. Um, I relate mixing to barber barbershops all the time. Um, yeah, if you're listening and you go to a barber, you probably have your own barber and that person you're friendly with, uh, it doesn't matter. There's probably a better barber for cheaper five minutes down the street, but you're not going to spend your energy or time even looking for that person because you already have a relationship with this barber and they do a good enough job. That's what mix engineers are like. At the end of the day, no matter what people say, mixing isn't that complicated. <laughs> I hate to say that. Like, I'm not trying to talk myself out of the job. It's like, you do a good job, and obviously some barbers are better than others. But what's more important about an engineer, a mixing engineer specifically, is the relationship. A recording engineer is always important. And to recording is, the reason why you start recording isn't to learn how to mix better necessarily. That's only a part of it. But that's recording is how you get into the door. Recording is the service that like people are, it's like the walk-in barbershop, right? All those customers that are looking for recording engineers, they're not really looking for a specific engineer. They just want someone to get the job done. Okay, so you walk into a barbershop, you pick whoever's, whoever's available, right? Now you've got that shot. You're in with this artist. You prove it to them in that recording session. Now they're a mixing client. That's why how people become mix engineers. You don't just start off mixing. And if you start off online without any local clients, well, <laughs> I hate to say it, but you got a lot going against you. Now, I'm not going to say it's impossible. You could be a really smart marketer, but I guarantee that most people are not. Even I, even me, the genius marketer that I claim to be, am not good enough to do that with no clients to begin with. Very hard. So if you are trying to start an online mixing service, I'd recommend starting with local people, right? And, you know, maybe actually most of my clientele is from local people and I get paid more for local stuff than anything else. Um, and then working with local stuff gets me in, on board with, with labels and whatnot. There's no secret sauce to this. It's just work, 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 word of mouth. And, la- okay, so I'm, I want to bring this up too, um, is that last year I was able to complete 1,019 mixes in the year of 2020. Okay, that is stupid because I decided, like, it was a lot. It was a lot of work and... I decided I'd like, almost, I hated mixing by the end of the year. I just, it was mentally one of the least healthy things I've ever done. It was a great accomplishment, something that I'll be proud of forever, but it just didn't make me happy. I almost lost the love of mixing completely because of it. Um, I just overworked. It was too much. It was way too much. But I will, I will, the one good thing that I learned from this 
is uh, about an argument my friend and I, a good friend of mine and I had. Um, he said, DK, you could be charging twice as much and doing half the work and getting paid the same. I agree with that. That's a really great logic. Here's the thing. Yes, I could do half the work, but I have two to three times more people out in the field preaching my name via word of mouth. I now have an endless pit of clients, and that person didn't get really more clients in the same amount of time. I have doubled or tripled my clientele in the same amount of time that he has. It took a lot more work. And I don't know if it was worth it because I, I started hating mixing after that. I, I'm back to loving it again. Don't worry about me. I really love my job now again. Um, but uh, <laughs> that's the risk, right? So I would say work with as many people as you can. Try to give yourself a shot to as many people as you can. Get the, as many people in your barber's chair as possible, right? And convince them, show them that you care, that you're passionate about your craft, that you're good at your craft, um, and that you care for their art and that you're there to be able to take away their insecurities and to help them make their art better. That, that's what it comes down to. So, um, so when it comes down to pricing a specific number, sorry, I got off in a little bit of a tangent. One is the marketplace. Now, let me talk about Utah because Utah is a smaller marketplace. I would say that if you're in Utah um, and you're just starting out, maybe you have a few customers or clients, maybe you're a recording engineer or a tracking engineer, I would say the beginner level mixing clients is up to a hundred bucks, right? hundred bucks per song, maybe 150 bucks per song is kind of like beginner level. Um, that's going to be mo like, that's going to be a lot of people and it's not a shame. It's not, it's not shameful to admit it. It's fine. Like you're just beginning or that you've, you've been doing this a lot. Maybe you're, it doesn't matter how good you are. One of the things that you're going to never going to hear me say about how much you should charge is never based around how good you are. That's, that might be part of it in the later levels, but definitely not in the early levels. You can be the best engineer ever, and your 16-year-old butt is still 16 and only has three clients, okay? At the end of the day, you're a beginner. It doesn't matter how good you are because there's not enough people out there preaching your name, spreading that name with that word of mouth. Charge less. It's all right. All right, and then I would say the next tier up is like 200 bucks to like 200 to... Maybe 150, let's go 150 to 300, 150 to 350-ish is going to be intermediate. Um, and I would say that's going to be like, that's what I was in last year. Um, and I would say that that's kind of like a really classic number, especially within the hip-hop community. Now, obviously, if I get 150 tracks for like a synthetic or like for an orchestra and and some gaming thing and it's a 20 minute long song with a bajillion tracks. No, I'm going to, I'm going to charge a price. I'm talking about just on average, right? Just on average, I would say that that's kind of intermediate. And then from like 400, 500 and up is more advanced, um, more like professional, uh, mix engineers. And I would say, uh, and then labels is even higher. I mean, some of these, some of these, I know that some of these engineers start charging labels like $5,000 a mix. So, um, and that's pretty common. Like that's not super unusual. I mean, there's a select few of people that do that. Uh, but I would say like anywhere around a thousand to 3000 is like the average per label that you charge. Like you do not, because labels usually do this whole net 30, net 60 thing where they pay you a month or two months after the work is finished. I ain't waiting two months to get paid my same rate. I'm going to charge you double or triple if it's two months later and the labels are willing to pay it. I don't know why. Don't ask me why. 
doesn't make any sense. The labels could be saving so much money if they just got their crap together. But for some reason, they're willing to do that. So definitely, definitely charge more for label situations. This is important, right? So these numbers aren't really specific. I wouldn't throw them out there. Like I wouldn't comment. At, I would not at me and be like, yo, DK, I charge this much. Don't call me an intermediate or a beginner. No, don't at me for this stuff. This is, this is just throwing stuff out in the air, okay? And you definitely should not change your prices based on what I just said. You should pay, change your prices based on how many customers you have, how much time you have, how much you're willing to work, and uh, uh, what the marketplace is suggesting, now, if your friend that is also a mix engineer goes down the street, you know, and he's charging 75 bucks a song and you live in LA and he's winning Grammys at $75 a song, yo, something is wrong. Something is wrong. You should not, that should be an, that's an outlier and should not be used in your calculations to figure out how much you should be charging. First off, I've never heard of anybody like that. So, <laughs> I'd be really impressed if I found someone like that. Um, but yeah, that's kind of it, really. I would say there's a lot more to it. Um, and you can feel free to DM me on Instagram at DK Mixes. That's Delta Echo Echo Kilo Echo Indigo Mixes. D-E-E-K-E-I Mixes. Follow me, DM me, ask me your questions. I love, I try to, I get like four or five DMs every single day from new people, from listeners to the podcast because we officially hit 100,000 streams, 100,000 downloads for the podcast and over 14,000 new listeners this last month. We're hitting huge numbers here. So um, I'm getting a lot of texts, but I, I'm trying, I've made a commitment to myself to never, ever take this for granted. So I'm trying to respond back to every single person that hits me, hits me up. Um, unless you hit me up with the most empty text ever, like a, Hey, what's up? I'm not going to respond to that. I don't know. What, what do you want me to say? Hey, what's up back? I'm not going to respond to that. <laughs> but if you ask me a question, I'm going to try my best to respond. Um, I, I, dev, I don't want to ever take this for granted. So thank you for everybody that's listening. And again, DM me any questions that you have. I'm more than happy to work with you, consult with you over text, over DMs to figure out what I can do to help you with your business or what you can do to help you with your own business. Um, and yeah, on that note, happy mixing my friends and stay saucy. One, two, three. If you'd like to take advantage of my free guides and online videos, please check out links.dkmixes.com. That's links.dekeimixes.com. Are you tired of using Google Drive or Dropbox to send files to clients? Well, never get burned again with FilePass. I love and use FilePass exclusively for sending files to my clients. It's a cloud file sharing website specifically made by engineers for engineers. It's absolutely amazing. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash FilePass to check out the full feature list and subscribe today. Never lose another dime to burned projects. Happy mixing, my friends, and enjoy the show.